You're listening to TOSE, The Other Side Enterprise, where we are committed to bringing you to the other side, taking you from dreams to possibilities and on to reality. Listen in on talks for business and life coaching starting right now with your host, Tiffany Rufino. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to The Other Side Enterprise podcast. I hope you are all staying indoors or staying safe regardless of what you're doing and that you are healthy and that you and your friends and family are also healthy. Thank you for joining us, whether you are just chilling out, cleaning, hanging with the kids or trying to have some escape from reality for a little while. Um, sitting at the house board. Sitting at the house board, board in the house. <laughs> and I'm in the house board. That, my friends, was the alkaline to my water, Mr. Rufino. Looking like in a, a bottle of essential water. Yes. Looking like, what were you going to say before that? I don't know. <laughs> Didn't work out. Huh? It all comes out like in a Organically. live stream of consciousness. <laughs> yes. Uh, but... Clearly, being the alkaline to my water, he is an essential person in my life, and mm-hmm. that's why he is here. So thank you for being here today, and I'm super excited about our podcast today. Do you know why? Don't get too excited. No, Stay. no, no. I have to get I have to get super amped. Amped? Amped. Amped up. Go nuts. Let's go crazy. Why? Well, wait. Why do we go crazy, or why am I excited? Why are you excited? Okay, so for two reasons. One um, is because we are 25 downloads away from 500 downloads. Yeah. I wish we had an applause button, but I'll just, I'll just like do my golf clap. <laughs> uh, so I'm really excited about that, and just thank you all for your support and for listening and for your feedback. We greatly appreciate it. The second reason why I am super excited and why Jeff is telling me to take it down a notch is because uh, we're going to talk about emotions today. And we're going to talk about emotions in business, but also emotions in personal life too. And how to um, bring it down when you're at like maybe a level 20 and the person you're talking to is not that high of emotions or the opposite when the person you're talking to is like super high in emotions and you're not knowing how to handle that. Have you ever been in one of those situations? Often. Often. Very often. More <laughs> often than I'd like to admit. I'm usually the one that's at a two. Yeah. No matter what it is, you're usually at a two. You're just, you're focused more on what needs to happen next, whether yeah, the person I'm, needs to get out of your way or <laughs> you need very, to calm them down. Very calm. The only time I'm not calm is when they don't put like ketchup on my sandwich or something. <laughs> It becomes very personal when it, you know, comes to food. <laughs> yeah. When, yeah, don't mess with my food. You know, what's interesting about that, though, is that I feel that everybody should have an experience working in the service industry with food and customers at least once in their life. Oh, yeah. I think that you can learn a lot about people just in how you serve their food and how they ask for their food. And um, again, our, our podcasts are not scripted. We kind of just go off the dome. Uh, we speak from the heart. We speak from experiences. So uh, that's where it's taking us right now. And I worked at a bagel shop in New York, a breakfast shop. Had to be there at four in the morning on the weekends, which is why now you understand why I appreciate my sleep as an adult <laughs> <laughs> at this point in my life. However, um, you know, it became it got to the point where, you know, you could do the bagels with the cream cheese, you know, the simple stuff. And then uh, as I worked there, I got to learn all aspects of the business, you know, like actually cooking the breakfast or, you know, behind the counter with the deli machine and slicing the meat and, and things like that. But there were people that would come in that could care less if they're 
yolk was broken on the egg sandwich. And then there were people that would be very upset if you put together their over easy sandwich and there was the yolk coming out of that. And you could see the difference in how they would react and kind of gives you insight into how do they react through the rest of the things that happen in their life. I know you've worked in the food industry as well. So do you feel like you learned a lot from people working in the food industry? It's interesting to me how people act when they're a customer versus how people, and not all people, but certain people, you can tell. Um, I I did, when I was very, very young, I worked at McDonald's. And back then, there were like Beanie Babies was the thing that everybody wanted. And the way that some people would come in and fight over those things, hmm. uh, it always struck me like you're out in I mean, I get that you really want it for whatever reason. You're collecting them and you've been to a lot of places. But you're still out in public. I'm sure somebody you know is, like, watching you have a have a fit. Can you imagine if we had video phones back then? <clears throat> oh, yeah. That would be... <laughs> I a mean, lot of would, us would be very embarrassed at this point. To be point, honest, like, it would be a lot like it is right now. Because you, you can find so much footage of people, you know, acting a certain type of way. But mostly on days that you're expected to act that way, like Black Friday, you're expected to act mm-hmm. like a maniac because of how they amp it up, right? Yeah. Um, but it's not that uh, places are doing promotions like that where people are that excited anymore, unless it's a new item that's coming out that everybody has to have, which may be from like a bigger software company or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's the only time I see those things. Um as a I know that you've been in different roles in leadership and and I have as well. Um have you experienced situations where, I mean, I know that you said that you're a level two most of the time, and I, I think our audience can tell by the sound of your voice, you, you pretty much stay at a level two. <laughs> um, but have there been times when you've either gotten to work and, you know, you were at a level 10 angry, either with something going on outside of work or with somebody that made you a level 10 at work? Yes. I mean, it's it's natural for uh especially when you're someone who is in charge of either people or things, whether you're running a project or a team, you want things to go a certain way. And there are things within that that you can control and there are things that you can't. And you try to use the things you can control, such as how your messaging is to the people that are in, that are also participating in order to mitigate the ones that you can't. So, somebody not having a skill or will issue and not not wanting to or not being able to complete a task there are some times though that for whatever reason whether it's maybe something that even the person themselves can't control they're not performing up to par and they and somebody drops the ball and when you initially see it i've been in the past, I've had situations happen where I take it very personally initially. I uh, have a rule that I give myself a few minutes with somebody in my inner circle, somebody who either works on a project with me, um, to allow myself to vent internally. And then once that's gone, then we can move forward. Is that when you're practicing empathy? <laughs> it's when I'm practicing, I don't want to yell out somebody and deflate them and lose so my job for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to uh, I'm going to let the steam out now and then change the communication later so that it's, um, you know, pr- 
professional. So did you know there's a science piece to what you're doing? Hit me. Okay. So what happens is, and a lot of the framework for this is what I've learned, uh, you know, in my current career with the mentors that I have. Uh, And in one of the uh, events that we've gone to, we have had speakers and our speakers have taught us that it takes when you get all that energy up, when you're upset about a situation, your cortisol levels, your stress levels are rising in your body. It takes 18 minutes for them to calm down and get back to a normal level where you're not like shaking or like mad and your heart is racing and that sort of thing. So you naturally have this emotional intelligence where you know, I need to step away and I need to calm myself down and just stay silent for the safety of everybody and everybody (laughs) around me, right? The other thing that I've learned uh, in my career is that the only thing you can control is yourself and how you react to what's going on around you. Like if you and I were to get into an argument, you can't control how I'm going to react. You can influence me, but the only thing you could do is control how you're going to respond. You either escalate the situation, de-escalate the situation, or you don't do anything in this situation. But that's all you. That has nothing to do with me. And I choose whether I'm going to react or respond or, you know, um, Really, it's it's just two of those, because even if I do nothing, that's still a response. I agree. Um, and yeah, I don't know if that's why I do it. <clears throat> no, I'm telling um, you that's why. I'm always right. Why do you need... <laughs> we've had this conversation. It's recorded. <laughs> but it, at the same time, the other thing, the other, the other side to it is that I'm very cognizant of how I appear to other people. And I don't want to be... That person that, you know, people that is unapproachable, that you can't give feedback to. And, you know, they say you only get one chance to make a first impression. But you also, it only takes one time to shatter somebody's image of you. Right. So if somebody sees me as somebody that they can, if people see me as somebody they can come to with problems, information, you know, a confidant, whatever. It only takes one time for me to break that trust or break that that confidence that they have in me. So I'm very I'm very aware. Of okay, that. so I'm going to take this in a different direction for a second, and and we'll see if this works. Sound good? Mm-hmm. So you said you're very cognizant of how you may come across to people or how you appear to people, and so you want your first impression to be a good one. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's think about this in another analogy. If I see a spider outside and it's a big spider, what do I norm- what do I normally do? Call me. Yeah, and I call you to do what? Uh, get rid of the spider. Right, by any means necessary, right? Mm-hmm. If that spider wasn't a spider and it was in fact a little chihuahua, what would my reaction be? Call me and ask if we could keep it. <laughs> Which, you know, the spider is smaller than the chihuahuas. Uh, In that moment, not so much to me. But, you know, if we look at it intelligently, the spider is smaller than the chihuahua. However, chihuahuas have bigger teeth, (laughs) (laughs) right? And and they could get at my ankles very quickly. And they can be pretty mean. I've seen the videos of where they're like, and they turn into how Max is. You know, Max is our, our snorky and he can get a little aggressive and rambunctious yeah a little rambunctious right so you know what would make 
that different for me as a human? Why would I react that way with a spider that's smaller versus a chihuahua that could do more damage to me? Could be a combination of like your past experiences with spiders and learn behavior as in people telling you stay away, you know, uh, like what they do with uh, poison ivy, leaves of three, let it be. You may never have had poison ivy, but you know, don't don't touch it. Interesting. I think that theory applies to people as well. And I think when you're in leadership, a big piece of understanding, A, you're in leadership because someone saw leadership qualities in you. You don't just, well, some people do actually just become leaders naturally. It's just how they were raised or their experiences that they've been through. Or some people are that silent leader and there's somebody that's in a position above them that said, listen, I see a leader in you. I would love for you to, you know, take on this opportunity to lead a team or lead a group. Right. Mm -hmm. And so with that, you have a level of maturity that is not only expected, but usually inside you. And it's a matter of using it correctly and understanding um, what we joke about you practicing empathy towards the person that you're having a conversation with is a huge part of learning on how to control your emotions. Um, if you ever get a chance to take the emotional intelligence test, it's um, it's a great opportunity for you to kind of gauge where you are now and then take it again in six months after you've been practicing, you know, understanding where your emotions are coming from. Is it the situation? Is it the person? Is it the environment? Is it the the task at hand? You know, understanding what drives your emotions. And then six months later, take the test and see, have you grown in your emotional intelligence or have you stayed the same? Um, so that's just something I'd suggest right there. But I've been in positions where I've had to learn um, a little bit about my own maturity and I think as a newer leader, that was a hard part for me, right? Because uh, the piece of me that wanted to defend myself and to show off my leadership, uh, I came across as snarky, sarcastic, and probably passive aggressive in a lot of situations. Um, I don't apologize for it <laughs> because <laughs> I feel at the time a lot of it was warranted. And if I retell the stories now, I find them hilarious. I don't know about the other person, but you know, I learned a lot in, in those scenarios and people around me learned a lot too. What I did learn is that as a leader, you're influencing your team around you. So you either become the villain, the victim, or the hero. And we're going to talk about that right after this. Hey, other siders, are you looking for the perfect decoration to adorn your home with? Or what about a seasonal wreath for your favorite holiday, exactly the way that you want it? Limitless Adornments creates beautifully unique, 100% custom wreaths all year round. Each wreath is handmade and custom made to celebrate your favorite holiday, hobby, or just a place in your home. If you're interested in placing a custom order for your own personalized wreath, look up Limitless Adornments on Facebook, Instagram, and Etsy to make your perfect wreath a reality. Mention the other side to receive 10% off your first order. They have a really uh, super cute dog wreath on their website that you should check out if you're a fan of puppies or dogs. Um, you know, we're definitely dog people, so we have you know, a, a little bit of a 
favoritism, I guess, towards that pet, but you know, they create anything for you. So check out Limitless Adornments. And also if you're interested in having a spotlight on our show, definitely reach out. Um, you can email info at theothersideenterprise.com or you could hit me up on Facebook under Tiffany Rufino and we could start a conversation. Sound good? I think I'm on my way there now. <laughs> All right. So we were talking about uh, being, as a leader, being the villain, the victim, or the hero if you are in a situation where emotions have escalated. And usually the let, – let's talk about this for a second. So the villain comes about – and tell me if you disagree or if you have questions on this. But I believe the villain comes out or you you represent the villain if you're in a situation where other people are observing you and a person doesn't act with professionalism. And so maybe one of your employees calls you out in front of the rest of the team or calls out a situation that they're not happy with and you respond matching their tone, matching their sarcasm uh, and embarrass that employee in front of their peers. I think that's when you become the villain versus um, becoming the hero where you listen to them, you find out if the rest of the team feels the same way before you react. Because if this person just happened to be the spokesperson for the group, like let's say, I don't know, we worked at a chocolate factory and um, you are having a morning meeting with the group and you tell them, okay, guys, I know that we've been dealing with making uh, regular chocolate all week and, you know, from the beginning of our career. Now we're going to change it and we're going to do all different kinds of chocolate. We're going to do dark chocolate. We're going to do white chocolate. We're going to do like da 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 And someone says, oh, great. What if we turned into this company and, you know, we're not going to stay the same anymore? And then you're like, yeah. And you say something snarky to them and the rest of the team is all like, well, we all kind of feel uneasy about this change. And look how she just chewed out this person. I think sometimes that comes from when you want the situation. Like if you care that much about looking like a hero, sometimes you end up looking like the villain. Where you take up for the cause before you take up for the people. Well, when you take up for yourself, like you should remove yourself from the equation and know that if somebody's acting in a certain way, they're not doing it specifically toward you. I mean, they might be, but it's not likely more more often than not. And like in the example that you gave, it's likely somebody's just scared about having to learn new techniques or a new system. And it's not you specifically. But some people will take that and say, oh, this person doesn't like my idea. Mm -hmm. And that's where the villain or the snarkiness will come out. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. And I think as a leader, you have to remove yourself from the equation and understand. You said it best in one of our conversations. And I'm going to give you credit and it's going to be recorded and you're going to replay it for me over and over and over again. But when we talked about in the past real estate um, there was somebody in our family who was looking to purchase a piece of real estate and they weren't using, uh, somebody to represent them, like another realtor to represent them. They were just going through the realtor that was over this piece, piece of real estate. Right. And, um, that person went to you for advice because real estate runs through your family and said, do you, and they asked, do you think I should have a realtor for this since I'm just only using the seller's realtor? And you said the realtor's responsibility is to be 
is to make sure that the transactions run accordingly, not that they're in favor of either or on the like the buyer or the seller in this situation, right? And yeah, that's state specific, but in in the case of, in the example that we're using, yeah, the the realtor was representing the transaction, not the seller or the buyer. And I think that applies to leadership in that your role as a leader is to make sure that the interactions that are happening are going through the values and the mission statement and the culture of the organization you're a part of versus, you know, you being right and them being wrong or them being right and you being wrong. And so if your reaction doesn't fall within the values of the organization that you're working for, then that's where you got to step back and, and take a look at yourself and say, okay, did I do what was right in that scenario? How did I come across this? And do a self-reflection. And then if an apology is warranted, then you go ahead and you own up to it and you apologize to the person and you talk through what the next steps are. You know, kind of how we talked about in our last podcast about how do you move forward in a situation when things went wrong, right? Yeah. And I spoke about the pharmacy scenario that I had. And in turn, you know, going back to before the apology, if you are the villain in the scenario, you just created a victim for everybody else. And that victim is going to talk to everybody else. And that victim is going to look for validation from everybody else in that group that heard the scenario go down. Um, and so then you cause a bigger problem than just hearing the person out, seeing if the group feels the same way and then addressing their fears and concerns versus just shutting somebody down and moving along with your agenda. So what would you say are some, because when you're in the moment, you're not really thinking of that, right? You're thinking instinct or you're, you're like this jerk. Seriously. Yeah, they're trying to call just, me out. You're just going off at do. the, at the <laughs> <laughs> spouting off at the mouth. I never do that. So, <laughs> and, you know, there are people that say you win the game in practice. So what are things that you think people can do to prepare themselves now for that situation that will arise later? I think you mentioned one of them already in where you take that deep breath. And if you can't, like, there's some things that just strike you really hard. You know, something that knocks the wind out of you. Maybe not you because you're at a two, but maybe there's something that brings you to a three and <laughs> elevates your level of emotions uh, out of left field. And you might need to take a break and come back, you know, whether it's just I'm going to focus on a different project for a second and, and I'll tell them, listen, let's come back to this. I, I have something I want to take care of. I want to get more answers for you. I'll come back to it. You, If you can't control yourself in that moment, then don't have the moment. Okay. That would be my first thought. Um, so, you know, your cortisol levels, have them calm down. So this way it gives you um, the time to think things through. The other thing that I've learned is to reply to a situation with open-ended questions. So tell me why you feel that way. Tell me why you think this change would be good. Tell me why you think this change would be, be bad. Tell me what your fears are against having white chocolate now and adding hazelnuts to the chocolate. And then you might find out the person has like, you know, a, a, a an allergy to whatever is going on. And so the one thing that you thought was personal was, but it wasn't about you personally. It was about the person across from you. I think the frustration comes along when you are a leader that 
knows and understands the bigger picture and your team isn't on board and they struggle with moving forward when you're such a type A personality and you're like, we got to get things done and we got to get things moving. I don't have time to explain to you all the minor details. I need you to trust me and let's just do it. Like be an adult and do your job. And I, I hear that so often and I totally get it because I've been in those moments before. Um, and I think one of the things that people have to realize is that not everybody was raised the same way with the same situation that I was raised in or the same situation that that leader who is, you know, my uh, sister leader or brother leader or whatever with the type A personality um, I, and that everybody comes from a different experience. And that's why they need you to lead them and work them through that emotion so that the next time it, it'll be a little bit easier to work them through the emotion. And the other piece to that is, is if you have a team that's constantly challenging you, you haven't yet earned the trust with the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I also think it's important to have a team that challenges you. I like to surround myself with people smarter than me so that this way we're always elevating each other, right? Um, you know, there's different things that teams that I've had, each individual brought something and contributed something that was a strength to them that was not a strength to me. And it's not being selfish in that I'm going to build a team where I have everybody that's smarter than me in all these different aspects so I can grow myself and so we can grow each other, right? We're always learning from each other. Otherwise, people get stagnant, they get bored, they feel that there's no growth and they want to move on. Um, so that's that's another piece in building the team too. But going back to the challenges, you need people that challenge the process, not challenge you. Mm-hmm. Right. So if they're challenging you and your leadership, then that's a lack of trust that should be addressed with you asking questions around where that's coming from. But if it's challenging the process of the organization, that's really good because those people are the ones that make sure that we're going ahead smoothly and we're being prepared for any plan B, C, D, E, F, G, et cetera, that we may need if something should come up. Okay. So. If I can add to that, one thing I like to do is practice um, being purposeful with your communication, whether it's written, verbal. Uh, start asking yourself, what am I hoping to accomplish with what I'm saying right now? Do you ask yourself that in the midst of a conversation right then and there? Um, I ask myself that constantly, and then it becomes second nature when I'm in a conversation, because then I know... You know, when you're when you're part of an organization and you're part of leadership, you're no longer you're not always speaking for yourself. Sometimes you're speaking for a whole team. You could be speaking for all of your direct reports. You could be speaking for a whole organization. So uh, think about the uh, the CEOs of huge companies when they go out into the press. They have to know that when they say something, they're representing hundreds, sometimes thousands of workers. So they have to consistently know that they what they say mean has to mean something and will have an impact in a smaller scale. But in the kind of the same way, if you're a leader, what you say and what and how you communicate has an impact. So um, I practice removing emotion from my communications by trying to challenge myself to 
kind of tell myself what is the purpose of what I'm going to say right now. So before I speak, even if I have to take a few seconds to think, I think and I formulate my like I, I force myself to formulate my thought first before just letting stuff go from my brain to my mouth. Have you ever um, been in a situation where you have somebody on your team send you a text message and it creates a sense of urgency and you're like, okay, so I got to walk this person through their emotions because you could sense the emotion in the text message. I couldn't pick an example, but I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure I've had that. I have that um, often, you know, with, uh, a lot of people, you know, it could be family members, it could be friends, it could be coworkers. And what I've started to do is um, it helps me to take notes in the conversation so that this way I could focus on the fact and not the emotion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can't write down everything that somebody said and I'm not like keeping a log of conversations, but I might write down keywords so I know what to go back to. Um, and I also write along the paper, uh, you know, question marks, or I'll write the words questions to remind me not to debate the person, but to ask questions so I can understand where they're coming from a little bit differently. You know, something you do that I've noticed in conversations is you do a lot of echoing back. So somebody might tell you, oh, this is broken and there's nothing we can do and it's destroyed. And you say something to the effect of just so I understand what you're saying is, and you echo it back. Sometimes when people who are very high emotion hear themselves from somebody else's point of view, it kind of, it takes the steam out of the emotion sales. Yeah. And you know, uh, another piece of it is, or the other side of it is when I repeat back some of the statements that they said, the answer is already in their statement. Oh, okay. So I'll hear it and I'll say, okay, so what you're saying is is that you want to call this person and tell them that it's wrong, but you're afraid to. Yeah. Okay. So you already know what to do. It's just the emotion. Tell me why you're afraid. And then we could pick it apart yeah. and work through it together. It's not um, necessarily telling them that they're wrong or right in the emotional piece, but it's what's the fear there or why are you so pissed off about it when the person that's asking you for help is really the one that's in the situation that needs help. Like I think of yours and I share this with my teams and um, I'm, I'm going to put it out there. And if you want to take it away from the podcast, we could do that. But there was a situation that you shared where somebody came in and you were working for a phone company and she was screaming and cursing. And at that point you had built up a reputation that was really great where people would wait hours for you. Do you remember this story? Uh, it's probably one of a million. <laughs> And so uh, I'm hearing it for the first time. Just don't like make me guys. a liar. <laughs> See, my emotions are getting high. <laughs> <laughs> and so this person comes in and is screaming and mad and upset that their phone isn't working. And you're trying to calm them down and they're not getting calm and they're continuing to make a scene. So you pull your chair over and you sit down in your chair and you pull your phone out and you start working on your phone. And then you show them your phone and you say to them, you see this right here? My phone works. Do you remember this story now? Yeah. It, it, I was known for saying that. <laughs> well, 
well, this one story was very impactful to me. So I didn't know it was like a thing that you had Mm -hmm. all the time. And so uh, what happens in that moment when you say that to somebody or when you used to say that to somebody? Well, I was being snarky, but in a lot of situations, sometimes snarky is necessary. <laughs> well, for for in a lot of in a lot of cases, for people, it kind of let them know that I'm not I'm not doing this for me. You know, I'm I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to be here for you, and so we can go around in circles and just be mad. I'll be mad with you, but what you're really looking for, it, it almost kind of refocuses them. To let them know that what you're really looking for is a solution and almost points out to them that they're getting in their own way of that. It's it kind of reminds me of the Care Bear stare. And I think we were watching this on, you know, a comedy special the other day, but I think it, it all of a sudden it's like something random happened that the customer didn't expect to happen. And what the customer went in looking for was a fight. And looking for somebody to take their emotions out on. And what you did was you didn't give them that gift. And instead, you stunned them by doing something completely different. Like, all of a sudden, giving them the Care Bear stare. And it, like, completely disarms them. And they're like, wait, what just happened? Mm -hmm. Like, my senses are disrupted. This is not how I expected things to go. And, you know, I think about how many times I've been in the car or I've been in the shower. And I've had conversations with myself acting as myself, but then also acting as how the other person was going to respond, thinking that I already knew how they felt, what they thought, and I had planned the whole conversation out. And then I go to have the conversation, and before we even start, they're apologizing to me, or they're hitting me with something completely different, or they're acting like nothing ever happened, or, you know, it's never how you plan it to be, because the only person you can control is you. You can't control what their response is going to be. Now you can influence it, right? So I can influence it by my my body reactions, by my language, by my tone, by how I take lead of the situation, whether it's a conversation that needs to be, happen in front of a group or if it's a conversation that should be more private and one-on-one. Past goodwill, your reputation <clears throat> can also influence. Oh, I'm like, why would we go past goodwill? <laughs> 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 I I didn't understand the reference. So previous experiences and what your reputation is and really stating what your intentions are always at the beginning of the conversation, you know, and I think that's helpful at home, but also helpful at work in that, listen, what I really want us to get out of this is how we're going to move forward from here or what I want to do is sit down and talk with you and explain things a little bit more in detail on what's going on. Or I want to sit down and I want to hear from you what concerns you have or what feedback you have so that this way we know how to move forward, right? So either way, it's something where you're giving the other person an opportunity to explain themselves. And um, as you can tell, people love to talk about themselves. I love to talk about myself. You love to talk about yourself. So when you give somebody that opportunity to teach you something about them, that's where you become a great leader for your people. And um, I think this is also another podcast where we can move forward in a part two on emotions, because I also think it's important to talk about it from a personal aspect in personal development and growth on how do you handle emotions with family. So let's uh, hang on to that because we have another episode that we have to do another part two on and um, be on the lookout. Make sure you subscribe, send in your feedback, like and share. We thank you for joining us and stay healthy and stay safe. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share. We'll see you next time on The Other Side Enterprise.